Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. Today, we are very excited to be joined by Andreas Bergeron. Andreas is a founding member of Awning.com, a real estate investment and management platform. Andreas, welcome. We are really excited to have you here today. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. And let's start there. Awning.com. What can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so Awning, um, we started about three years ago. Um, we raised uh, just shy of $11 million for our seed round um, out of San Francisco. Um, we're now a fully distributed organization across the U.S. And basically what we've created is a platform for real estate investors. So we help people buy and sell uh, real estate. Um, now we're much more focused on the short-term rental space and help people manage their short-term rentals nationwide as well as help people design and furnish uh, their Airbnbs to maximize the revenue on each asset. Very nice. And we talked a little bit about this before we hit record, but if I'm looking to either purchase my next short-term rental or my first one, when should I engage Awning and when should I, when should I reach out to you? Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's no time that's, that's too soon. Um, we're more than happy to kind of walk through at a high level, like what are your goals, what are your strategies and you know, help kind of set you up for success. Um, but generally, you know, we are a, we're a brokerage in seven different states. So if you're looking to buy or sell real estate um, and focus on the short-term or long-term rental investments, um, we're here to help. Um, so, you know, you can book a time to speak with any of our advisors through our website. Um, but, you know, typically, you know, once you have a property that's, you know, under escrow, um, we can help, you know, analyze that property. Um, we can help dig into kind of the nitty gritty details on, you know, permitting regulations and figure out how much uh, revenue and cash flow that property will be making. Okay. Excellent. Thank you for, th for that background. And currently, who is using Awning? Who are your clients? Yeah. So it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of different people. Um, we've got people that are, you know, coming over from other, uh, you know, property managers like Evolve and Bacasa. Um, we've got people that are brand new to real estate investment and, um, you know, are really looking to get their their hands dirty. A lot of them are out-of-state investors. Um, I think a unique thing that's happening right now in the real estate investment space is, you know, previously it was all about investing in your backyard, right? Being very close to the properties, you know, and know it like the back of your hand. Um, and that's very limiting to the types of returns and the types of product types um, and real estate that you can go after. And so what we've been able to do is by being able to open it up to, you know, really any given state that opens up you as the investor to not be tied to a particular market or a particular return. Um, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area where I know like the returns there if you, from a cap, cap rate perspective are very low. It's very difficult to cash flow in the Bay Area. Where in Alabama and Birmingham, um, you know, it's, it's very easy to cash flow there, but the appreciation is a lot lower. So it really opens up the individual investor to be able to look at lots of different locations and different, um, you know, real estate investment vehicles um, that depending on your goals, and strategy um, really allow you to be able to succeed no matter where you live. That's a, that's a great example expand, uh, ex explaining how expanding from just this is my market, this is my area that I know where I can physically be to having a, a larger geography can open up uh, more opportunity. It can also open up, you know, I don't know what's going on there. So how does Awning help me learn about it? either areas I don't know, property types I, I'm, I haven't yet purchased or uh, just a market that's new to me? How, how have you been able to kind of uh, tie those buyers, those investors to the new markets? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time deciding on which markets we wanted to be in. So we're in uh, seven different states across the U.S. 
when it comes to buying and selling real estate. Again, we do nationwide property management, but for the buying and selling of property of buying and selling of real estate, we do that in California, Texas, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, and Tennessee. And we spent a lot of time. We basically looked at nationwide. Um, you know, here, you know, all the different states and all the different markets, and we spent a lot of time um, deciding on which states we thought showed the strongest kind of, you know, economic growth and, um, you know, future stability for um, investment real estate. And I think, you know, right now, the most exciting um, strategy that's evolving and continue to being professionalized is is short-term rental management. And, uh, you know, specifically with where we are with, you know, appreciation over the last few years, as well as where interest rates are, it's very difficult to buy a long-term rental single family home and be cash flow positive with it with 6% interest rates in place. <laughs> um, and so that's, you know, originally that's how, where we started to focus more of our interests. And now that's really where we spend all of our time. Um, you know, with short-term rentals, you can be looking at double to triple the revenue of what you would typically see with a long-term rental. And I got plenty of follow-up there, but if we could start short-term versus long-term rental, what is something that if I have a property that I'm looking to convert either from a, a yearly to a weekly or monthly, what's something I might not think of off the top that I should either know my property or an inherent risk that is something that I should plan for up front? So I think the the biggest thing when I compare the two is when you think of a long-term rental, let's say it does $2,000 a month in, uh, in rent. Um, if I was to tell you like, you know, could we get it to $2,500 or $2,800? You'd be like, absolutely, no way that we can get there. You know, the market won't withstand that big of an increase in, in rent and nobody would be willing to pay that. Um, with a short-term rental, you know, we could start off at, you know, let's say two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 a month. And if it's very well designed, if it's very well furnished, um, and if it's managed very well, that's very possible. And so, Generally, when you think of the two asset strategies, there's just a lot more volatility with short-term rentals. And with the professionalization of the space, you think three, five years ago, there's tons of individual hosts out there that have been able to be really successful over the past couple of years just because you know people need a place to stay and not everybody wants to stay in a hotel, um, maybe because you know they they're with a big group and they, they want a four-bedroom home or maybe because of the experience. Um, but those things are changing you know very, very rapidly. Um, and so the professionalization of the, the space is, is really changing, you know, quarter over quarter and year over year. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. And, and you mentioned hosts and experience that I do feel that travelers are, if not leaning towards uh, those specific or, or unique circumstances when they travel, they're at least, they're at least looking into it before anything is booked because it does provide a different perspective and a, and a different different feel and a, and a different trip altogether. Are you seeing with the professionalization of project property management, hosts are getting tired of hosting their own property? Are, are they selling them to investors? Is it a little bit of both or what's happening in the market there? I think right now what we're seeing is in a lot of these markets is like an oversaturation of, of Airbnb properties. And that's why you're also seeing a lot of like, uh, crunch down on like the permits and the regulations in a lot of these cities is people want to make sure that, you know, the, you know, it's, it's kept in check. And then there's also areas where there's just so many more new short-term rentals that are popping up this year and last year over the last couple of years. And I think that's a scary thing for a lot of uh, individual owners, right? People have been able to get by, by, you know, basically just putting up a listing and because there's enough demand, 
you know, people have been able to make fistfuls of money. Um, you know, that's now changing in order to, you know, be successful and to make, um, you know, demonstrative returns, you need to stand out of the crowd. And before it was, if you had a listing that was an Airbnb, you were just competing against another hotel and maybe, you know, all the other Airbnbs were booked. So yours got booked as well. You know, now that equation is starting to change. And in order to be a top performing, uh, you know, revenue wise, you also need to be managing it at that top performance. So, you know, you have individuals that are, you know, dealing with those guest communications and maybe they're out of town, maybe they're, you know, at work, maybe they're in a meeting, you know, they're not going to respond very quickly. Um, and people, you know, this is hospitality. So the expectations from guests is increasing again, um, you know, every single quarter, every single year. Um, so, you know, I think that um, it's making it more and more difficult to be managing your own property with the expectations that are coming from guests. You know, they're expecting a hospitality level quality. And if you're not providing that, you're going to fall beside the pack. And that's such an excellent answer because you hit on a lot of things that I think are, are we're seeing today. They one the experience, the expectation for that experience is through the roof. It's going to continue to uh, increase and, and travelers are going to keep wanting to see certain things in properties. If they see it in one market, they want to see another and it's going to be competitive of what they could have at a hotel. I do want to get to the regulation piece, but first I want to talk about that. With the professional property management, is there a way to kind of gauge what works in either in a market or across all markets? Because you're starting to see the top Airbnbs uh, Airbnbs will offer kind of the same things that I've got these amenities that I didn't even know I wanted as a traveler, but I got there and somebody's thought of this and it's really yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I, I think the overall theme, what sets apart the, the, the ones in the middle of the pack versus those, you know, really excelling. And and one thing I think is interesting before you get into that is like the difference between an average or like the median Airbnbs and where they're performing versus those in the top 90th percent, it's like two to three X the revenue. So like the opportunity and the volatility, like that's what you're, you're not getting to short-term rentals because, you know, the average can do well. Like the average for a short-term rental versus a long-term rental after the fees that you pay and the extra expenses that come with it are, are pretty similar at times. But where you really make the additional return is when you start to hit it out of the park, when you're in that 70th, 80th, 90% compared to your competitors. Um, so I think that's, you know, really what's important there is going above and beyond. And to your point, you know, what is going above and beyond and what are some of those similarities? You know, generally, I think it comes down to interacting with the real estate, interacting with the home and creating that experience, right? You know, most people that are renting these Airbnbs are going there you know, with friends, with family, and they want to create a memory. And so I think a lot of the things that, you know, people are seeing at Airbnbs, it's like, you know, a simple game room. It's a, you know, a, a nice barbecue outside. It's a pool. You know, those are the ways that people actually interact with the real estate um, that creates memories and keeps people coming back to them and has them stand out, right? You look at, you look up, uh, you know, places that sleep 10 people, maybe you're going or eight people, you're going with the family to, to Florida. Um, and, you know, you're looking at a couple of them. First, first thing that stands out, well, which ones have pools, which ones don't, it's going to be 80 degrees outside. Then it's like, okay, well, what else is unique? Maybe they've got a little game room. Maybe they've got giant Jenga outside. Like, how can I imagine myself using that space um, and, and really bringing it to life? So I think like, you know, that's the starting point is having your listing stand apart from the others um, and, and being unique in some sort of way or facet. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's really the two main things that we, we've talked about. I just want to highlight them both. One, that the return on your investment really comes when you are at the top of uh, the the demand of, of properties. It's not just, you know, aim for the middle because your returns will be in the middle. And then as you tie 
uh, that to the the cost that you are not going to outpace what would have been a longer term rental because you're you're not fetching that two to three x on what people are paying for the market, and that's kind of what you're looking for. Um, with the increase in investors and the nationwide appeal of it, there is that regulation piece. Do you, as designing, did does that get involved with it? What where where is that currently in, in your purview, and where do you see that going? Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to, you know, if you're looking to buy a short-term rental, um, well, first off, like what we do when we think about identifying short-term rental properties, we ingest tens of thousands of listings every day. Um, we then have a machine learning model that estimates what the financial returns of any given property would be. Um, you know, is that 100% accurate? No. But what it does allow us to do is whittle it down to, you know, those that we should focus on. So then we go after those that are in the 95th percentile. Then we have a team of analysts that then review each one of those listings and fine tune our pencil to get down to how we think it will perform. And then what we do is we're like, okay, you know, these all look good. And generally we go after areas that are not as restrictive from a short-term rental perspective. And then before we, we actually have um, like a featured deal list that we put out um, a couple times a week um, that are basically like the top deals that we can find across the U S and before we suggest them to our clients or before anybody places any offers, um, you know, we do a deep dive in, uh, into the individual County or neighborhood to figure out, you know, what exactly are the restrictions and regulations here. But from a more macro level uh, view, I think a lot of people are really worried about regulations. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, the, the point of these regulations is just to make sure that, you know, the city's getting its buck. <laughs> That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep track of taxation. And so, um, you know, there are new processes and it's changing every day, um, depending on the city and depending on the neighborhood. But, um, Again, it's the professionalization of the space. So I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, you know, in some situations they're limiting permits. So if you can be one of those people that gets the permit, now they've limited the supply, demand's only going to increase. So now you're in an amazing position. Um, so I think like what would be more scary is no regulation as an investor. If there was zero regulation and there was just permits or no permits and new inventory flooding in at exponential levels, people would be stuck with real estate that wasn't making any money and they would go bankrupt. So I think the permitting is actually very advantageous and helpful for investors. Yes, it can be a pain in the ass and can take a little bit of time, but in the long run, you know, that's, it, it's really out there to protect you. No, I'm glad you, I'm glad you end there because you're right. Most people hear regulation, they hear permit and it's like, uh, you know, this is my property. I should be able to do what I want with it. Why do I have to go through these extra hoops? And the points you raise one is to make sure the town or the city is uh, having some sort of financial upside. If, if the properties in their uh, jurisdiction are having it. And two, it does benefit because if it is the wild west, then who knows uh, what's happening. And then no regulation will lead to a, a bad situation for most investors there. So I think you talk about, you know, what's, what's realistic and, and what's coming down the pike when people are investing in property. Uh, changing gears a moment, look, looking at who is investing in property. If somebody wanted to start, what is a good place for someone either who has money and is looking to change where they're investing from either the stock market or their other other portfolio investments to a either a real estate investment in general or specifically short term. What what should they what should they know before they before they even kind of make that first purchase? Yeah, I think. I mean, we're comparing it to securities. Um, the biggest difference is the illiquidity, and, and that's also why you're getting you know additional return, and you're also able to build equity. I think the biggest difference that you're going to see between 
investing in securities or the stock market and direct real estate investment is the leverage that you can get. So if if you're living in the home, then you can get it down to like, you know, as low as three, 5%. So your leverage is, is massive and you can buy, I could buy a million dollar home for $50,000 down. I can't do that in the stock market. Um, so, you know, if I'm making 5% exponentially, when I think of my return, it's much, much higher because of that, um, you know, how much I'm lending that money from. So I think that leverage is one thing. And then the, uh, the illiquidity of real estate, you know, it does take time to, you know, to buy the real estate. If you did decide to sell it, if I want to sell a stock, I can sell it in seconds. You can't sell a home in seconds. Um, and, you know, that's both an advantage and a disadvantage. So I think that, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it comes down to building that, that equity. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I can't think of a single person in my head um, that's, you know, very, very wealthy or well-off that doesn't own real estate. There's just no way around it. There's also a lot of tax advantages and there always needs to be a balance in your portfolio. Um, securities and stocks definitely has a place as well as, you know, bonds and other type of uh, vehicles. But, you know, real estate is kind of that pillar for growing your wealth over time, as well as passing it along to future generations. Yeah, I think you hit the big the big ones there. The leverage piece by owning real estate that it is it's not exactly liquid, so that's why the leverage piece comes in. And then two or the third piece is that anybody that you talk to with considerable wealth or even uh, more more than the average that real estate is somehow involved, and likely that's going to be a second, third, or investment property uh, purchase. So I, I think you cover all bases there. Uh, just kind of wrapping up on what awning does for its uh, property owners in the property management space. Do you help with writing the listings, the reviews? What does that look like for, if I'm a property owner, what are you taking off my plate? What, what can you do that, that I can't do as well? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we're, we're a full service property manager. So we handle everything from, you know, creating that listing to managing that listing, to pricing it, to dealing with all of the cleaning, the maintenance, anything that comes up with the property, we handle it. Um, I think the, you know, what we do that other people can't do, I think is that, and what, especially when it comes to self-management, um, like I was saying with the professionalization of the space, you know, you, you know, most of the time have a full-time job or you're doing other things. Maybe you're enjoying yourself going skiing. Um, you know, you're not ready to deal with and answer guest problems or questions or headaches all the time. And, um, you know, we have a full-time, uh, staff team that makes up about 20 or 30 people that are constantly answering um, you know, those chats and guest communications as well as phone lines. So we respond within five minutes to guests. And what we found is that's like the, the biggest needle mover. Even if we don't have the right solution or they're dealing with a horrible situation, being able to respond quickly and be empathetic and just to be there is the most important thing. And when people take even an hour or two hours to respond, depending on the situation, that can be very frustrating for a guest. You have to think if you were in a hotel, right, and you were dealing with a situation, you'd call the front desk right away, or you'd walk down to the concierge. You don't just wait around in a situation, let's say you show up in your hotel room and it's dirty, or it smells like cigarettes, or somebody's screaming next door. Like, you don't just wait around for hours, right? You expect that that will be handled immediately, and that's what people expect within the short-term rental space now. Yeah, and that, I mean, that again, ties into what we've talked about, that people have higher expectations levels of what their experience is going to be. And if you can't just one, be empathetic when you get that call and two, you've got to be, you've got to be quick and you've got to be, uh, have a solution base, not just, this isn't my problem. We're, we'll be there. When we'll be there that you've got to be, got to be, uh, addressing what, what's, 
what needs to be fixed. So I think that's that's excellent to highlight that. Uh, kind of zooming out as a founding member uh, in this space, how how did you how did you decide this is what you wanted to do, or what did that founding process look like? Yeah, so you know, I think Awning started off as a very different company three years ago than it was today, um, and so you know, we spent a lot of time researching and speaking with individual investment owners, and you know really learning and discovering what, you know, what is that next big piece and how can we really provide value to, to short-term rental investors? Um, you know, I think it's, it started off with, you know, in the commercial space, um, you know, there's a lots of different players there. It's very easy or has a current process of figuring out how much money can I make from this office building? How much money can I make from this multifamily building? But single family real estate has kind of forever been left to the mom and pop and, you know, small fix and flippers. Um, and it's just really been unaccessible to the majority of, you know, middle-class or not even middle-class individuals just to educate yourself on real estate. You know, so many people that have, you know, large stock portfolios and bonds and, you know, just, you know, impressive, um, wealth, you know, it, it's difficult to get into the real estate space and specifically into sh- to single family investments without jumping into commercial. Um, so like just being able to understand, like if I buy this home, how much money would I make? Um, you know, it, it's not the easiest equation. So that's where the you know idea of awning started was, you know, in the past, everything in real estate is, you know, when you think of investments, a lot of it's focused on like pocket deals and off market deals. And like, you know, can you get it to me for X amount below what it's worth? And that's great for the fix and flippers and the people that have time and are professionals, but for the people that have a full-time W-2 job and are making good money and they want to diversify their investments into real estate, you know, they don't have time to be doing that. They don't have time to be bird bird dogging down deals. And the reality is, is that 95% of the inventory is on the MLS, but it's just finding that needle in a haystack. So that's where the idea started was how can we, you know, help individual investors in a passive mindset so that they can get into the real estate space. And then how do we find those right deals? Um, and so, you know, we took the time to ingest all of that MLS data, overlay it with financial and demographic information to be able to pinpoint which deals actually make sound investments. I think you hit the big thing there is that constant communication with who your target audience, who your clients are, what they want, how you can provide them a service, a solution, a product that they're not getting elsewhere. I have the opportunity to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of founders who have gone through that, that I had this amazing idea, we had this product. And in talking to our clients, we were able to tailor it to what their needs were currently and where they were going, because that's that's something that you can only anticipate to a certain level without really understanding who that is. And I think you kind of illustrate that well. Um, and, and you also talk about filling the need that with somebody who's working full-time or somebody who has a non property management background, they're not going to be able to uh, put the time in, put the resources in that, that you can by by collaborating. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, I guess just looking back at it, in the three years, obviously a lot has changed. Is there is there anything that, you know, look, obviously it's easy to say now that could have been changed quicker, done differently, or anything that it's like, wow, I can't believe we, we, we tried that or didn't try that? Um. You know, we definitely made mistakes along the way, but I'm not sure I could take back like one specific direction or one one thing we did here or there just because, 
that got us to where we are today. And um, yeah, there's definitely lots of different directions and mistakes that were made. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, sometimes you can move faster, you know, move faster than others, but um, you know, once we found that product market fit, then we knew we, we had found it. And I think that, um, you know, just continuing to be close and talking to end users and end customers is, is the most important piece. And then, you know, not being afraid to move on when, um, we don't see success. Um, and, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think that that was, it is just, you know, if something's not working, move on, get feedback, iterate, um, and repeat that process over and over um, until, you know, you find something of value. Absolutely. That's the big thing. Get the feedback from the market, from the users, from uh, the, the the public who's using the tools and services, and then make it better when you can. And then if you need to iterate change, do so as well. Uh, what, last thing I want to follow up on, we talked about it briefly, the ability to estimate uh, revenues for properties, property values with awning. How does that how does that work for, do I need to be a client? Do I need to set up for a service? Can I, can I kind of play around and see if it's a good purchase? What, what does the estimator tool look like? Yeah. So basically what it looks like is, uh, you know, it's a search tool. So what you do is just drop in your address, fill out the bed and the bath count, um, fill out the, you know, estimated amount of guests. And then if it has a pool or a hot tub, and then it'll spit out an estimate of how much money that property will make. Again, that number that it spits out is our best estimate and based off of the data that we have. Um, going back to what we were talking about earlier, there's an insane amount of volatility within those numbers, right? Where you could say, let's say the property could do $80,000. That'll be the number it'll spit out. You're going to see some that are doing 40 and you're going to see some that are doing 140. And those are the same uh, asset types too. They're all, let's say all four bed, two baths. There's a huge range in, you know, quality of design and furnishings that went into that. Do all of them have the same amenities? And then also like, what are the finishes like? Are some of them older homes? Are some of them remodeled? Are some of them more modern? Um, and then, you know, what are the ratings and reviews that those properties are getting? Um, so it, it, and that's where the opportunity comes in. Like, you know, you can see when you think about like acquiring a two bed, one bath, and to be told it could do anywhere from, you know, 40 or $60,000 to over six figures, like that's, that seems insane, but I think that's also where the business comes in, right? Like owning a long-term rental, that's owning real estate, owning a short-term rental, that's hospitality now. So it's, it, it yes, you own real estate and you're going to grow your value through the equity of owning the home, but now you're also operating a full business. And so I think that's where a lot of people, and, and in the past, you know, maybe that wasn't as important or maybe, you know, wasn't as needed because there wasn't as, as many, um, you know, as much supply out there, as much competition. But now, like really in order to succeed, um, you know, you need to stand apart and you need to operate your real estate like the business that it is. Um, so that, that would be kind of the, the feedback I would give. That, 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 that's a good one. And I want, I'm going to ask briefly, uh, ratings and reviews are so important. Is there a mechanism in place that owners either working with awning or property, property owners of short-term rentals can do either a better job of or automate it or have guests not only have that great experience, but want to go on there, hit the five star and, and put a review. Is there, is there anything that you do you provide or anything that owners can do to, uh, to boost and uh, just get those ratings uh, logged? Yeah. So I think, you know, the most important thing and kind of the pattern pattern I see in the property management space right now is it's just very reactive. So the majority of individuals as well as companies out there, 
the process is, okay, let's put up the listing. We can set up the pricing optimization. We can set up a couple things here and there. And then they wait for the inquiries to come in. They wait for the questions to come in and they wait for the complaints and the problems. And then they deal with all of that. And, and that maybe has worked in the past, but it's not going to work in the future. And it and also has created a lot of frustrated clients out there. If you look at any nationwide property managers out there, the the reviews are they're pretty brutal. <laughs> like it's and it's a difficult business to be in. And so I think you know what we really try to do is be more proactive in that process. And I think you know the majority of that comes down to you know iterating and improving that listing. And so you know that's changing the underlying copy or messaging in the listing. That's changing the title of it if it's not working. The the photos, the order of the photos. Um, you know, setting up that pricing optimization, but also not just setting it up, iterating and improving it, right? The majority of property managers out there use daily pricing or changing for that pricing based on, is it booked 30 days out or two days before, or is it seven days long or two days long? But really what it comes into is being proactive and iterating and updating and changing that. And, and you know, really focusing around, you know, the sources improving uh, that SEO optimization on Airbnb um, just like, you know, people do as a business, that's where we focus our time too with, with Google. When we think of SEO optimization, you know, n- nobody's spending time, money, or effort on Bing and Yahoo. Um, you know, that that's where the majority of your clients are coming from and iterating and improving that the more t- times you show up on Airbnb, the more times you'll be surfaced, the more times you're surfaced, the more cl- views you get, the more clicks you get, the more bookings, the more ratings. And so kind of feeding that self-perpetuating cycle, um, and continuing to improve and iterate in it versus just kind of plastering out that listing and then just waiting for things to come in. I, I promise we didn't script this, but that answer just really highlights everything that we've discussed today. One, short-term rentals is difficult and is going to continue to evolve. It's, it's something that is going to be uh, more competitive as we go forward. Two, what's worked in the past no longer is going to work and that's going to also keep changing. And three, that the difference there is the proactivity piece that just putting putting out your property with the same amenities the same features the same kind of laissez-faire response to your renters is is not gonna work you need to be proactive you need to fix things when they break and anticipate what people want Um, so i I, well well, we didn't plan that i couldn't have asked for a better answer there Uh, and then just lastly uh, this question probably is not very fair, but are there any amenities that uh, are pretty few and far between now that you could see in the next six or 12 months is going to be much more common or higher demand that people are going to want to see at each property? I mean, I think this is the obvious one and I don't think you're necessarily <laughs> going to see more of them, but like pools make a huge difference. Pools and hot tubs, like you can see like tens of thousand dollars in uh, revenue from having those on your property. Obviously not that movable <laughs> or like, easy to add to a property. Um, But I think that, again, just getting back to ways like interact in the space. I think one I've seen a lot is like arcade rooms, game rooms that are in a lot of different Airbnbs. Um, I think that, you know, one thing that's starting to get bigger and bigger is like the Airbnb experiences. So starting to like package and couple those with that. Mm -hmm. So the more you can like create that stay into an actual experience, I think is unique. And that has you know, a whole boatload of other opportunities and revenues that you can kind of bring to the real estate there. Um, but I think it's, you know, a lot of the time it's, it's small things, right? It's, ha- you know, having enough plates and cutlery for 12 people, if 12 people are going to stay there, that it actually can comfortably fit, you know, that amount of people on the the, the couch. Um, you know, there's just like 
things that a lot of people don't think of when they're setting up these Airbnbs um, or like in the shower, you know, you have a sliding glass frame instead of just like a, a hanging drape because those will start to mold and smell bad really quickly. So it's just like a lot of these smaller things just start to add up really quickly to create that overall, you know, great client experience. But I think generally just, you know, having those activities or things, and that's why I'd say the game room, just ways that people can interact with it. Like people are going there to have a good time, right? Or, you know, or maybe they're going there to work, you know, having really great internet and a little um, desk where you can work if you need to work. Um, but, you know, really knowing your end user and your clientele, right? What a property in Kissimmee should look and feel like, uh, you know, right next to Disneyland is very different um, than a property in Joshua Tree or a property in Gatlinburg up in the mountains. Those utilities uh, and amenities are going to be, you know, vastly different uh, depending on what the end user is there for. Excellent point. And that's why you need Awning to help you know what is expected in each market and how to uh, be proactive and knock it out of the park. Andreas, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find you if they want to learn more about you or Awning? Yeah, just go to www.awning.com. Um, and yeah, you can find all the information there. And uh, yeah, always reach out to Awning if you have any any questions. We'll be happy to help. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks, Mike.